Hey, it's Tony and Jenny Bruski from Real Ghost Stories Online. We absolutely love giving you the show every single day, Monday through Friday, for free. But uh, it's not free to produce. And if you'd like to keep the show on the air, we ask for your support and become an EPP. When you become an EPP, you get more than 23 bonus episodes of the show to listen to. These are exclusive episodes that are only available to our EPPs with some of the best stories we've ever gotten on them. Please help keep Real Ghost Stories online on the air. And become an EPP today, an extra podcast person, on the website realghoststoriesonline.com. It's only five bucks a month. You get all the extras and the knowledge that you are keeping this show going. Please, and thank you. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855 853 4802 or write in at real You're about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. Today a familiar presence seems to enjoy the company of the children in one listener's family. A retirement home employee enjoys stories of the residents, but he leaves work with a few stories of his own. And while recovering from a procedure, a listener blames the medications for hallucinations. But later she finds proof that they were not hallucinations after all. Those stories, your calls, and more today on American Idol. That's I'm real Ryan good. Seacrest. No, how you doing? On Real Ghost Stories Online, Tony and Jenny Brisky joining you once again. Hi. Hi. <laughs> I was going to start inserting new names for the show right there. Every day we're going to be something a little bit different. Tomorrow, Double Dare. Double Dare. Nobody but you and me remember Double Dare. Oh, a lot of people remember Double Dare. Double Dare was a wonderful program. <laughs> Do they still run that? They probably don't run that in reruns anymore because they were all shot in standard definition and kids would see that now and go, why is everything so blurry? I don't know why my child voice was a southern, southern redneck. I don't know. But uh, yeah, it was like... Uh, <laughs> wow. That was a really creepy... Could you imagine if a child came up to you and started talking like that? You're just like at a, at a supermarket. <laughs> That's a kid walks up. <laughs> Can I have some money to buy some Skittles? <laughs> It'd be really disturbing. You were just full on random today, aren't you? <laughs> uh, it's no different than any other day. You're just showing it. That's Sometimes all. it just let it flow out of my mouth. Other times I'm more reserved with it. Yeah. There you go. Uh, our phone number, by the way, 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Do you remember the other shows that were on around Double Dare Time that were like kind of spinoffs? Funhouse? No. That was one. It was like Saturday mornings. There's another one, too. I don't remember what they were. They were like obstacle course type shows. And yeah, I like watching those. I'd watch those and then Unsolved Mysteries. It's <laughs> a very eclectic child with what I would, what I would view. Uh, let's kick off the show today with a letter. Uh, let's uh, first go over to uh, Joanna's letter. Joanna writes in, Hi, guys. Well, I recently discovered your podcast, and I have to admit that uh, though I don't necessarily agree with all you say, I still enjoy listening to it. I think your podcast should be a good place to share some of my family stories. I have a big family. My mother has six siblings. One sadly has already passed because of skin cancer. All of them have children, and the children already have children of their own. And we meet a few times a year at my grandma's house for Christmas, Easter, and grandma's birthday. Of course, not everyone can make it every time, but these gatherings are important for us, and we do what we can to attend. This will play a part later. 
The house is a very old farmhouse with a rich history. Many things had happened there, both good and bad. Births, deaths, war. World War II, this story takes place in Poland. Nazis, hidden, Jews, family dramas, you name it. There is a strange energy. Both friendly and, well, less friendly. It has warm rooms, which I enjoy very much, and cold ones, which creep me out, even in daytime. It so happens that every strange story I have to tell takes place in said house, and it makes me think it is no coincidence. First story I want to tell today happened well before my birth. At that time, my grandfather was still alive and in full health and all the kids. My mom and all her siblings had already moved out, so it was just my grandparents living in the house. Their first daughter was about nine or ten months old, and my parents had to go away for a few days and decided to leave her with my grandma. Grandma put my sister to sleep in a spare room just beside the main bedroom where she and grandfather had slept. At night, the baby started to cry, and my grandma woke up, but she was very tired, so she lingered just for a few seconds, hoping that maybe her granddaughter would fall back to sleep. That didn't happen, and grandma was just about to get out of bed to go to the other room when she had when she had heard footsteps on the old floor. Then the cradle started rocking, and the baby stopped crying. She was very surprised, because my grandfather was not a man who would help with children. For him, childcare was a woman's job. She thought that maybe he was already up, going to the bathroom or to drink some water, and that's why he had helped with the crying grandchild, even though it was completely out of his character. Sure enough, when the baby stopped crying, the footsteps were once again to be heard. Then the door of the child's bedroom creaked, and footsteps headed for the main bedroom. As Grandma waited for the door to open, she finally sat on the bed, only to notice that Grandpa had been there all the time, sound asleep. My Grandma had been so used to stuff like that happening in her house that she just said, Thank you out loud, and went back to sleep. The other story I want to share today took place in that same spare room, but some 35 years later. Two years ago, I came to one of the family gatherings. This time it was Grandma's 92nd birthday with my husband, daughter, and son, who was 18 months old then. The guests were arriving. Kitchen was full of my aunts, uncles, and cousins. Everyone chatting while preparing dinner, making tea, coffee, and other stuff, when I had smelled a foul smell straight from my son's diaper. I asked my husband to get the diaper bag and meet me in the guest bedroom so I could change it. When the operation was complete, the three of us were standing by the door when my son started smiling at the opposite wall. He tilted his head with a grin on his face and waved. I looked at my husband. Yes, he saw it too. I asked my son who he was waving at. He pointed his finger towards the empty wall, smiled, and waved again. The energy filling the room at that moment was very warm and friendly. Though the room is one of the creepiest in the house. I had told that story at the table that day, and we all agreed that it was probably Auntie Anne who had died earlier that year and didn't want to miss her mother's birthday. Thank you guys for your show and keep it up, Joanna. If I had to be haunted, I guess a ghost that entertained and shushed and took care of the kids would be all right. I wonder if she makes cookies, too, and sells them in retail outlets. Huh? You know, the Auntie Or is that pretzels? That's pretzels. Oh, damn it. I thought there was an Annie Ann's cookies, too, isn't there? There probably is somewhere. 
No, I think, you know, just having the, the ghost to be able to go and check on the baby and just rock. I still wouldn't be comfortable with that, but I guess that would be the, the less evil. Of- You'd be all about it. <laughs> As much as I like my sleep, probably. You'd be like, oh, thank God the demon's watching the child. I just hope that it's <laughs> no. not going to do anything evil to it tonight. Not a demon. Every once in a while, a little scare here and there. but <laughs> No, no. I don't think so. 855-853-4802 is the phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. If you'd like to call in 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you're welcome to. Of course, you can also share your stories on our website. Click on the Tell Us Your Ghost Story button at realghoststoriesonline.com. And if you haven't already done so, press subscribe. Whatever platform it is you listen to us on, that way the shows go directly to you. You don't miss an episode. helps grow the community. It's a win-win for everyone. And we all can have a delicious Auntie Anne pretzel at the end of the day. Now, Auntie Anne pretzels, those are in the mall, right? Yep. Isn't there another pretzel store in the mall, or is it only Auntie Anne? Cinnabon has pretzels, too, right? No, Cinnabon has cinnamon rolls. But I thought they had pretzels, too. Don't they? Not that I'm aware of. Is Auntie Anne the only pretzel store in malls? Pretty sure. Somebody's going to correct us on that. On the hot Sam, remember, do you ever go to a Hot Sam's? No. We had, we had no, no food in our mall at all, except for a Hot Sam's pretzel store, and that was it. Now it's gone. But it was there for like probably 20 years. I tell you what, my favorite pizza is still mall pizza. Sparrow? That or the knockoff. Just the huge yeah. slice of pepperoni pizza. I've been disappointed the last couple of times I've had mall pizza. Really? Yeah, I don't know. It's, something's different. I, it, it's always a little bit cold, too. Ew. It's no. like, yeah, you got to heat that up. You need more heat lamps. More heat lamps. More heat lamps. It, it does the trick. More cowbell. There you go. Today's show about uh, pretzels and mall pizza. 855-853-4802. Let's go to a caller. Uh, how about to Alex in Rhode Island? Hey, Tony and Jenny. This is uh, Alex from Rhode Island calling. Um, I had never called into your show before, but I did write in a couple months ago about the uh, my experience with the Conjuring House. Uh, I'm not sure if you guys remember that, but uh, this story I want to tell you guys is completely unrelated but um last summer my great uncle who's my grandfather's brother uh had been uh sick with cancer and had been in the hospital and was sent home uh for hospice care and he uh didn't have much time left and i remember one morning waking up and hearing his voice saying uh something to the effect that i'm uh, i'm ready to go um, I remember it being a very peaceful tone. Um, it was it was like it really like he was ready to, to move on from this earth. And sure enough, uh, about an hour later, I got a phone call that he um, seemed to be <clears throat> on his way out. And uh, so he, he was also also my neighbor. Um, so I walked through the woods and met the rest of the family at his house and um, his breathing had really slowed down and we all felt that he was he was ready to pass on. Um, so maybe about an hour uh, hour after being there, um, he, he did stop breathing um, and, he, and he, he had passed away. Um, and we, we called for them to have him pronounced. Um, and that, that took about 
maybe 40 minutes for them to get there. Um, and the spooky thing about what happened when, when they did show up to pronounce him dead, um, about five seconds after they pronounced him, there was the room that we were in. Um, he was in a hospital bed that they had set up for him. Uh, there, in that room, there was it was an old farmhouse. They had a set of a door with a set of stairs going up, and they had um, this is like from the living room. And uh, about five seconds after he had they had pronounced him dead, uh, the door opened up on its own and then closed on its own. And um, I don't want to say that what I had heard when I woke up. Uh, that morning to his voice saying I'm ready to move on was like a premonition because we all sort of sensed that he was he was ready to pass um, but that moment when when that door opened and closed I really felt that um, after he had been pronounced um, that that was that was his spirit you know I want to almost say heading up to heaven um, but uh, anyways that's my story I just uh, wanted to share that with you guys and I love your show and um all right, that's that's it. Thank you very much. Bye. Well, you know what? I think I think the the spirit was waiting until you guys knew for sure he was gone. That's why it waited until somebody came and pronounced them dead. Okay. Before it left through the door. So just to kind of okay, they all get it. They all get I'm it. I'm out. I get it too. Maybe he wasn't. Maybe he was a little confused and wasn't quite sure. But after that, then he's like, okay, and that's why he left. Off to have one last mall pretzel in the sky. Eight five five eight five three forty eight zero two is our phone number. I think so. I think I think what you said makes sense. Okay. So I would go down that route too. Okay. Yeah, and I do remember the conjuring story. Of the uh, or being near, there it was one where we were near the house. Yeah, right? it was kind of off in the woods area, and mm-hmm. which is creepy because that's. And you, by the way, congratulations! Or to tell our listeners, well, you've seen a good portion of the movie. I've now. seen probably three quarters of it. You've yet to see the scariest part. Yeah, but, but she's inching her way through the Conjuring, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> just like a grown up. And right? the only reason we saw it was because there wasn't much to watch on our flight. <laughs> no, and it was streamable on an airplane. It was between that uh, or uh, air, uh, airport was the other option. And uh, Watching airport while riding an airplane yes. was not something I wanted to do. <laughs> Just saying. Be so fun. Scenic, if you will. Uh, Devin writes in. Hi, Tony and Jenny. I'm a daily listener, and your show is how I start my day out every single morning. You guys have a great show, and the uh, people's stories you guys read and the call-ins. It's so fun to listen to and well-told. Tony brought up playing Oregon Trail. I uh, just played that for the first time since being in school. Uh, Forging rivers, hunting buffalo, catching diseases. That was so much fun. When I uh, saw the wagon member named after my girlfriend had uh, contracted typhoid, I almost fell out of my chair laughing. Let me know when you cross the trail, Tony. I've n- can you actually beat that game? Is there like a way to end, like, survive? Yeah, you never survived? God, no. Really? I would just play. I think I, I played with the intent of dying. Oh, no. I, I had won it a couple of times. Uh, you're, you're that kind of student, though. Well. You're like, I'm going to do the thing that like makes you live. And- you're, you're the kind of person that when you drive a race car type game, you purposely run into things. So yes. So I could see you purposely not packing enough food just so you guys die a horrible death on the trail. 
Yeah, I do things like that. You do. You know, spend all the money on like wagon wheels and no food. Right. And all sorts of horrible things. Pick donkeys to pull your wagon instead of oxen or something. My favorite, we, I would play that and then sometimes SimCity. And the whole purpose of SimCity was not to try and build the city up. It was, you know, how you could destroy the city. Now, is, for normal people, is it to build a city? Yeah, I mean, okay. it, it's like it's a simulation, you know, you have all the, it's very intricate, um, at least it is, I mean, these days, back then it was a little more simplistic, but still you had to have some sense about it. It was, it was a simulation, just like Oregon Trail. Is that where Sim comes from? I think so, yes it is. Okay. But it was all about destroying the city. Yeah. So you that, like that. It's just me. Uh, continuing on, uh, Tony, uh, let me uh, start with uh, one of many significant experiences uh, I had uh, with the paranormal. While in college, I was employed for several years at a retirement home in Carson City, Nevada. It was a fun place to work, and it was great hearing all the stories from the residents. Got to be around every day. Got to meet the World War II vets, some of the sweetest old ladies, all the way to a retired wise guy from Vegas. It was really a great experience. I was employed in the kitchen at the top of uh, floor of a three-story large building and worked night shift, spending nights alone closing the kitchen, cleaning, and getting everything shut down for the night in the large dining hall. This was way past the time most residents had gone to bed, and all day... Uh, all daytime employees had left for the day. I've always been sensitive and had become aware that there was a constant presence of being watched and small, lot of ordinary things would happen. I'd hear footsteps, doors slamming. I'd discover large kitchen sinks running, which I know I had not turned on. The unnerving part about this was I was the only one who'd be working at the time. I discussed the strange events with other employees, and some were having similar experiences. There were stories of dining room lights shutting off all at once, or employees hearing the dining hall that would seat about 200 filled with talking and the piano in the hall playing. To look out and discover after hearing all those noises for several minutes to see the hall had been completely empty. The crowd and piano noise just stopped. There was a female employee who refused to go anywhere in the building alone. I had questioned what was creating this fear, and she was always hesitant to talk about it. finally got her to tell me what had caused her to be so afraid. She told me while she was in the changing room, a large man had materialized out of nowhere behind her while in the act of her changing her shirt. When I heard the story, it just confirmed with the other stories that something was indeed going on. I tried to not chalk all these incidents up as paranormal at first, tried to reason to myself that these people were having overactive imaginations and me being forgetful, leaving stuff running, and that all this could be explained. I had several residents tell me about incidents, but these people were up in age, and a lot of them would see and hear things due to their elder age. I had one resident repeatedly complain to me that he was awoken at night to a face with glowing eyes staring at him from the outside of his second-story window. Never paid the story much attention due to the resident's health and fading mind, but later, after he passed, another resident had moved into the same room. This resident was in great health, and she had a very sound mind, yet she started telling me identical stories of those given to me from the room's prior resident. Seeing a face glowing with red eyes, staring at her throughout the night through her second-story window. I started to realize that there was a lot more going on in this building than an overactive imagination. 
I continued to have multiple things happen, especially at night. Started witnessing sinks turn on by themselves, a heavy industrial dishwasher just swing open as if someone lifted it. I'd feel tugs on my clothing. I'd often have my shoulder tapped while I was prep cooking, cutting things up, only to turn around and see nobody there. One night, I was mopping the dining hall, saw a lady walking across the floor that uh, I was mopping. I quickly realized I had not put out a wet floor sign and went to escort the woman off the floor by putting my arm around her waist and helping her off the wet floor so she wouldn't fall. We've had slips in the past, and I knew they can be very serious for the elderly. As I was grabbing the lady, she actually disappeared. It wasn't as scary as it was mind-blowing. She had been dressed in an all-blue dress. I continued my shift alone, but not as frightened as you would think, but more in disbelief over what had happened. One week, we had a team of carpet cleaners doing the carpets at night at my work. They would come in out of the kitchen to use the mop closet in the back. I was calling home in the kitchen, getting ready to leave work, and I saw a large man standing at the opposite side of the room staring at me. I assumed it was a carpet cleaner. When I peered through the front door of the kitchen while on the phone, I noticed there were no crew members or any machines out front. I also realized I had just locked every door about 20 minutes before that. I quickly hung up the phone, saw the man move to the back where I couldn't see him, walked to the back room where he had gone, and there was nobody there. The most frightening experience I had at the retirement home had to be when I had just closed for the night. Locked everything, turned off all the lights, and started walking down the third floor stairs to leave. I heard something fall in the kitchen. I heard a pitcher. Some sort of container had fallen from a shelf. I returned to pick it up and put it back on the shelf, not wanting to hassle with turning the lights back on. Felt in the dark for the item that had fallen to the ground. As I reached it and bent down to grab the item, sounds of footsteps in a full sprint came running at me. Stopping directly in front of me, I reached my hands in the dark to feel what and who had run up to me and felt nothing around me. Then, whistling started directly in my face, taunting, creepy whistling. My eyes adjusted to the dark and there was no one standing there, and the whistling continued inches, maybe an inch from my face, from thin air. I sprinted out of there. I came to find out there had been a chef who had died of a heart attack during a shift in the 80s there. He was large and was described by me and several employees as the same man, which several of us had seen as a ghost. Several people also reported seeing a lady in a blue dress walking the halls like I had. With all the activities, I think the facility might have been a portal due to the numerous deaths that have happened there. I guess we'll never know. I have a few more very haunted places I've experienced or writing about. Hope you guys enjoyed. Devin. I don't know if it was a portal or just you have that many people that pass on in an area. You know, you're going to have hauntings. Sure. Especially we've, you know, we've talked about nursing facilities and retirement homes being hotbeds for hauntings. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I don't know if it's anything more than that. If I was dead, confused and not knowing what was going on, I would probably be trying to go get a snack. A lot. <laughs> You're looking for your pudding. Yeah, I would be. I'd be looking for my pudding. Mm -hmm. And I just, you know, it's something, you know, it's like humans do. It's comforting. Eating. And if you're really confused, you know what the hell's going on? Like, okay, maybe I just need to eat something. And be even more confusing when you get to the kitchen and you can't get the food. 
mm-hmm. and you can't consume the food. That'd be really, that'd be like a nightmare. It'd be like the nightmares where you're trying to dial a phone number. And you keep hitting the wrong yeah. number. And you keep going to the fridge and you can't pick up the bacon or yeah. whatever. You know, it's just right there. You can see it. You can smell it. You can't eat it. Your hands just keep going through it. Uh. And some guy comes and tries to help you not slip on the floor. And you just disappear. And you're loop gone. Yeah. <laughs> Although I don't know that I'd be that kind and just disappear. I think I'd be like the Ghostbusters moment in the library where it's like, yeah! Okay. That's what I would do. <laughs> <laughs> just saying. Uh, interesting story, nonetheless. Thanks for uh, thanks for writing that in. If you want more ghost stories, you can become an EPP. All sorts of great stories out there now. I believe we're up to 24? 24. 24. Uh, bonus episodes is what you get when you sign up to be an EPP. Uh, it's an extra podcast person at realghoststoriesonline.com. You don't want to miss that. The moment you sign up uh, through PayPal, uh, you uh, get the email sent directly to that email address you used to sign up. And you get all those 24 episodes immediately every week. A new episode comes out for your listening enjoyment. And, uh, yeah, you can sit there and binge literally now for 24 hours straight. 24 hours. On episodes you've never heard before. Uh, and they're good ghost stories. So it's uh, it's some good binge listening, uh, if you will. Check it out. Realghoststoriesonline.com. Only five bucks a month. And it keeps our show afloat. Uh, let's go over here and go to a caller. How about Rob in Indiana? Hi. Every time I try to call, I keep cutting me off. and won't let me tell the whole story. Uh, but I'll try again. Uh, we've seen a lot of ghost stuff. We're from Indiana, southern Indiana. And uh, every time uh, when I was little, my brother had seen a trained hen. We've heard you know, people walking on hardwood floors, uh, stuff like that. But, you know, nothing really ever scared us. Uh, I met my wife now, and we had moved into a, a little house with her uh, her kids. And one night, we kept hearing, I kept hearing, like, a little little girl laughing. Got up, didn't see nothing. You know, and just kind of went away. Laid back down, and then after, I don't know, probably an hour or two, she got up, you know, just yelling, you know, you know, talking about them damn kids, you know, laughing. And all of a sudden, she opened her eyes, I guess. And there was two little Indian-looking girls in white dresses with bows in her hair pointing at her, laughing. And she said she tried to wake me up. And when she looked over at me to wake, shake me, and looked back, and they were gone. But they were standing right next to her bed, like inches from her. Well, we never told nobody and her daughter and her boyfriend were on the living room floor watching TV. And I guess he looked over and peeking around the refrigerator was these two Indians, Indian, you know, maybe Mexican, you know, I didn't see it, so I don't know. Uh, these little girls, they had white dresses on and bows in her hair, pointing at him and kind of laughing. He told uh, my stepdaughter now that you know, what he had seen, and she told him, you know, that he was just seeing things, but he got up and went to the kitchen, no one in there, doors were locked, you know, didn't see them. Next day when my wife got up, or that night later, when my wife, you know, she worked nights, and uh, when she got up, her daughter was telling her about it, and she's like, really? She goes, I just seen that a couple of days ago, standing by her bed laughing. 
it was just like little playful girls, you know, they had their hands covered in their mouth, I guess, and kind of giggling and pointing. Well, they did it to her, and then they also did it to uh, an ex-boyfriend of my stepdaughter's. But uh, it was really weird, because our bedroom was an old house, but my wife had got this little chihuahua, and that dog, when I wasn't home, that dog would just stand on the bed growling, growling at the closet. If we had it, you know, kind of cocked open just a little bit, you know, she would have to shut the closet and make sure it's latched for not to come over, you know, or the dog would just go crazy. Uh, we've been laying in bed before, wide awake, uh, just talking, and I have seen a black shadow, you know, kind of shadow person, but it would just rise up from behind her and just stand there. Well, if, we, if it was from behind her, we always smelled coffee or something that, you know, kind of would remind you of like a barber shop. Well, she started crying because, you know, her grandpa was a barber and she always thought that was him watching over her. There's been times that we've been talking and she's seen the same thing rise up behind me. But one time we actually had it push me like right into her. I mean, we weren't that far apart anyway, but just kind of pushed me into her and don't really know what that was, but, you know, you can sit and look at it and look at it and it would stay there. And then sometimes, you know, it would just, it wouldn't like dissipate. Uh, I, I've seen a, you know, kind of sink back down behind her, but she said like the one behind me, if she looked at it long enough, it would shatter like glass. She said, yeah, literally, she could see shards of something darker than the bedroom. And it was always at night, but we left the door open just a little bit to, it would leave, you know, let some light in. But she said, you could just see the shards flying away, and then it was gone. I mean, it, yeah, that we know of, it never scratched us or anything like that. But it kind of creeped her kids out because they started seeing stuff. But... You know, I, just weird stuff like that has happened, you know, but I, I think that stuff's pretty cool. I love your show. Uh, I just found it a couple of weeks ago, and I drive a truck, and uh, I run short runs, and I, I listen to it everywhere I go. It kind of helps make the day go by. I listen off YouTube, but it's, I really like that kind of stuff. I, I have a chance right now to go to a house uh, close to us in Illinois, that a family moved out of because I guess it, they're supposed to be ghosted and it freaked the wife out. She moved out. They were going to get a divorce. Uh, the husband finally, he moved out. And he said, it's fully furnished. It's still got the big screen TV, or the flat screen TV, everything there. He said, they seem tough moving. Uh, they've been pushed. They've been scratched. Uh, his wife, I guess, had been flapped, knocked down. And, you know, and I, some stuff I have to see for myself to believe, but I, I mean, I do believe in ghosts, but I, I don't know. And it's just one of those things, me and there's like four or five other people, we're all going to go in and just see if we can see something, feel something. Uh, let's see how it goes. All right. Thanks for listening. Uh, do love your show. Just keep it up. And I'll talk to you later. This is Rob. Bye. Thanks for calling in, uh, Rob, and sharing your story with us. When he was talking, I had a great idea for a new reality show. What? 
Okay, it's a cross between what is that one we're watching where they deliver the uh, they have to get different loads and try and make their money. Shipping wars. Shipping wars. Yeah. Okay, so it's kind of like that. And watch, I'm going to share this, and someone's going to make this show, and or it already exists. No, it doesn't exist. I know it doesn't. Exorcist trucker. Okay, here's the concept. Okay. Ready? Okay. So the trucker. Uh, is, is known for their exorcisms. They go around the country and they exorcise houses. Not, not not exorcising people necessarily, but just, you know, haunted houses. They go through and they get rid of the ghosts. Okay? Mm-hmm. So they, and it's all over the country, and they don't have the, the funds to get from point A to point B, so they need to make money along the route. Okay? So they find their destination, and then half the show is like shipping wars where they have to, to make money and find the items along the route. Uh, to get to the exorcism. Okay. So it's like that, and then there's a, like a ghost exorcism at the end. Or, at, you know, that's like the other half of the show. Exorcist Trucker. That makes almost as much sense as the funeral home show where they are wrestlers. Have you seen that one? Oh my god, I saw a preview for that. I'm like, is this is this real? Is this something from The yeah. Onion? Or, but it's real. Same kind it's of like thing. It's like wrestling death or something. Yes. That's what it's called. There's just no ideas left. So now it's just weird combinations. Yeah. But I could see this one actually working. You know, then there, there's adventures along the way that's kind of like watch the interactions in the coffee shops and the truck stops as they, you know, talk. And you obviously have to kind of produce this up. You have people go, what do you do? I'm an exorcist. And then the stories that are shared throughout the uh, the the journey, if you will, to the exorcism. I'm an exorcist, but I can haul your shit across country, exactly. too. And then they, they find these things, and then sometimes it's haunted items they have to haul. It could be a great show. <laughs> Any of our trucking friends like the idea out there? We listen to it by a lot of truckers, so yeah. I, uh, I think it's a good idea. I think it could be very interesting. I really do. 855-853-4802 is the phone number. He was kind of sitting there nodding in disbelief. I I got nothing. You stump me sometimes. It would be a very good show. I like, uh, for whatever reason, I really enjoy some of those trucking shows. I think they're, it's interesting, just kind of, I think, I think it's the travel that I enjoy and seeing what happens here and there and the people that they run into. I don't know. I also like that one that was on uh, travel for a while. It was like Truck Stop Missouri. Yeah. Then they realized it was too narrow focused by having Missouri. And then midway through the season, they changed it to Truck Stop USA to try and be more mass appeal. And then it got canceled. That was an interesting show, too. Very staged, but interesting show. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, anyhow, let's go to uh, Patricia. Patricia writes in, hello, I'm from Houston, Texas, and I've experienced unexplained events my entire life. I have many stories and really do not know where to begin. Tell you about one time while at my parents' home, I had to have a surgical procedure done. My mother insisted that I stay at their house until the following day. I wasn't thrilled, but agreed. After my procedure, I was taken to my folks' home and was told to sleep in my parents' room. I insisted that the church would do, but my mother was adamant that I stay in her room. So I did, as I was told, and went to lie down. I was soon asleep thanks to medication. I know your feeling you have when you, you know, the feeling you have when you're partially asleep but uh, coming to. Well, I remember having that feeling as well as if someone or something was watching me. I started to wake up, and to my left, I noticed this old woman standing beside the bed. She was short, white hair, and it was pulled back. She had wrinkles all along her face, aged from being in the sun. 
She wasn't tall at all. In fact, she was short, and she looked like she was not from my time. Granted, it is 2003, and I know she was not someone that I knew or should know. I thought to myself, she isn't real, and I'm still dreaming. I closed my eyes, and to my amazement, I could still see her. It was like an image burned into my cornea. It was like looking through a negative of a picture. I opened my eyes again, and there she was. I shook my head and told myself that this was all due to medication. The only thing was that even if I closed my eyes, she was still there. Then, as if she heard my disbelief, she bent over, and only her face moved inches from mine. It mattered not if my eyes were open or closed, she was literally inches from my face. My heart is pounding, my breath is short because I'm holding my breath in disbelief. I started praying until I fell asleep. I woke up later the next morning and did not mention it to my parents. Needless to say, I went back to my apartment the following day. Weeks later, my sister and I were talking, and so I told her what happened. She was excited and amazed because this type of thing happens a lot to me. I just couldn't make sense of it. It was not until my grandmother passed away years later and the family was going through her belongings to give to my father and his siblings that I saw a picture of the woman that was in my parents' room. My grandmother was a private person and didn't really share stories or photos with us regardless if we asked. Again, it was not until she passed that we were able to see so many photos of family that were known nothing about that we knew nothing about. As my eyes lay on a photo of five people standing arm in arm, I see the woman exactly how she looked that night in my parents' room. I yelled out without realizing, That is her! My sister and everyone else that was in the room looked confused. Turned out that the woman I saw is actually my father's grandmother. My sister thinks I am lucky because I have been blessed to see, hear, and feel the unexplained. I myself would like to understand why. That is one of many. Hope you enjoyed as much as my sister. Thank you. So I've heard that people can tell if they're hallucinating or not by if when they see something, if they close their eyes and they still see it like she described in the story, Mm -hmm. then you know you're hallucinating. Mm -hmm. So I thought it was interesting that she could still see the ghost when she closed her eyes. So she followed the path of eliminating uh, if it was a ghost or if it was a hallucination, and in her mind at that moment was narrowing it down to, okay, I'm hallucinating. Yeah, yeah. But then when you find the picture of the person you saw that Mm -hmm. you had never seen before, that's a whole different bag of worms. I'm wondering if it wasn't actually the woman, if it was something else, because that... you know, it kind of goes into what we were talking about the other night of the abilities that uh, that spirits have, you know. And I kind of have the the understanding that the human ghosts are not necessarily the ones that are going to be able to have some sort of power to make you see them even when your eyes are closed or have that necessarily that ability. Okay. I kind of think that seems to be something that was not human. But you have people that see ghosts in their dreams have people come to them in their dreams all the time that's a little yeah i know i still kind of categorize the two as a little different i'm thinking this is more kind of on the dream side because she's medicated so she's kind of in and out okay so i'm thinking that you know she may have been dreaming and seeing this person and thought she was awake or vice versa. And I'm not saying that, you know, it's just a dream. It's not something paranormal. I think it's very paranormal. I just, 
I don't know that it's something demonic that's taking on a different form to try and trick her. It's just the grandma wanted to scare the crap out of the granddaughter. No, I think she was just concerned and just wanted to... Oh, like just kind of examining, like giving you that look, getting really close and just checking you out? Yeah, or hey, okay. can you see me? You kind of act like you can see me. How mm-hmm. about now? Can you see me now? Mm-hmm. You never hear of like grandma ghosts chasing people around with like thermometers or anything. <laughs> like, I want to make sure you're okay here. <laughs> you know, and then doing practices that like are no longer necessarily accepted as far as like where to put the thermometer. It's like, here. <laughs> A probing thermometer grandma. Yeah, exactly. One that chases you around asking to get your rectal temperature. <laughs> At the age of like 35. Yeah. There you go. That's healthy. We're going to get that story next week. We will. Watch. I had one that did that. 855-853-4802 is our number. Katie writes in, first, I love your show. Most people I know are not into this sort of thing, but I find it fascinating as I clean the house and fold laundry. As I'm a stay-at-home mom. I've had a few weird things happen, but this story is the most bizarre. My husband and I moved into our first home together back in 1999. It was a cute, small, bungalow-style house in an older neighborhood. I believe it was built in the 40s. Nothing was really odd about the house, and... It was well taken care of when we bought it. During this time, my husband became a Christian, and we both started making God a more active part of our life. I don't remember the specific timeline, but I remember I started to see something weird in the little hallway that led to the bathroom and bedrooms. In that hallway, there used to be a little uh, alcove where you'd uh, place a Mary statue. I don't know if this is true, but a few different people told us that was the purpose of the little nook. Uh, I started to see little gray raindrops fall from the ceiling, maybe just one or two, but when I felt the floor was not wet and there was no leak in the ceiling. It reminded me of when you smile for a camera and the flash hurts your eyes and sometimes you see little spots. This is how these drops seemed. It happened time to time and it was just odd. My eyesight is very good, so I just chalked it up to being tired. During this time, we continued with church and we were being... uh, mentored by another couple. You can say we were really excited about church and learning all we could about the Bible. A few times while I was getting ready in the morning, I felt like someone walked by the bathroom, but I figured it was nothing. During this time, I don't remember being scared, but just went about my day. One Saturday morning, I was in the basement doing laundry when upstairs I heard footsteps and walking. I thought maybe my husband was up going to the bathroom. The footsteps were loud because the floors were wood, and you can hear when someone is walking upstairs. I also had a big dog, but it did not sound like dog nails on the wood. When I went upstairs, my husband and dog were sound asleep. I was so freaked, I woke up my husband to ask if he had been up, and he said no. Around the same time, I had a weird feeling one night in the middle of the night. Maybe I was so freaked about the footsteps thing, about ghosts, but who knows. I turned over, and I think I saw a dark figure standing right by my husband's side of the bed. I quickly turned away, thinking it was evil. I was hoping if I pretended I did not see it, that it would go away. The next day, I told my husband, who was not much into ghosts or worrying, but I told our mentor friends, and we had our pastor over to pray for us. After that, I never saw anything but the occasional mystery drops from the ceiling. We moved shortly after, and when we moved to our new house, I would see the drops time to time, but many moves and years later, I can't remember the last time I saw them. I don't know if this was all a coincidence or my imagination, but to this day, I still remember this. 
I don't know if I'm more sensitive or what, but others don't seem to notice anything odd in situations where I pick up on weird vibes. I'd love to hear your thoughts. I can't say that I've ever heard of phantom drops. Paranormal raindrops falling on my head. No. And it keeps going. <laughs> well, it's kind of like, you know, uh, if it if it did materialize into something, there is such a thing as ectoplasm. It's not just in Ghostbusters. Right. Yeah. So I don't know if, if that would be what was occurring there because she said she felt the ground and nothing was there. Right. And there wasn't anything that she saw that would have left it behind. Sure. So I don't know. I got nothing on this one. Um, my only thought would be if it was something dark, it was stirred up with the fact that um, you guys were suddenly kind of going into uh, the church, if you will. And then that somehow stirred something up that may have been following you for quite some time. Yeah. That's that's my only thought. Made them mad. That's that's all that I could make sense of in that specific situation. Anyone else have any other insights? Feel free to uh, share your thoughts up on our uh, forum on the website at realghoststoriesonline.com. Tammy in California, hi. So sorry, guys. My phone cut off while I was trying to tell my story. This is Tammy from California, and um, I was trying to share my experience with, uh, a, I guess, a paranormal experience that, or experiences that my uh, casting crew were going through at a house that we were renting out to shoot a horror film here in Los Angeles. And um, I'll start from the beginning again. Uh, We had just raised enough money through Kickstarter to shoot a series of anthology, like kind of like an anthology of little horror film shorts for um, this, uh, this horror film that we been, you know, trying to raise money for two years, finally got some money and found, you know, found all these awesome locations to shoot. And it just did happen that we found this amazing location here in L.A. of this very historical um, and very famous white colonial house that was used in Animal House and the movies of Halloween and um, I think even the people under the stairs. And the gentleman that owns this house, he owns, I guess, two or three more homes on the, on the street itself. And it turns out that the house in front of the house where we were shooting was used um the exterior itself was used for the film the people under the stairs so that was a little bit of a um, movie history for you guys there um but uh, we had just moved all of our equipment um and set up all the departments inside this house to shoot this movie short and the house itself is a very large mansion and it's been around since the 40s it was built um, I think in 1945 it was uh, built by a doctor for his family and nothing bad happened inside the house there was no murders no crazy history it was just a home that you know after the owners had passed it was pretty much passed down to the children the children you know couldn't keep up with the upkeep of the home so they donated it to the school and then I guess one of the kids claimed it back and uses it um, to rent it out for film and he makes a ton of money doing that because it's been used for many films but um, 
here's where the paranormal experiences of the cast and crew um, started to occur. So uh, the day before shooting, the producer decided to spend the night in the house. And he had to spend the night in the house because the house is not in a pretty good neighborhood. And it's a lot of uh, squatters that have um, been caught in the home before uh, while it was laying you know, vacant and um, he had to spend the night in the house and make sure that nobody stole the camera equipment or anything else or broke into the house. And and so um, the next day when we came back, he just, uh, you could tell like he just didn't have a good night's rest. And we thought, oh, maybe it's just an old house. He, you know, not used to sleeping, you know, uh, away from his own place. Maybe he just had an uncomfortable night sleeping in the sleeping bag and you know we asked him you know what's going on did you have a bad night and he said I, I you know what I, I don't know what happened last night I was awakened three times um, because I thought somebody was inside the house the first time I woke up it was around 1 30 and I I could have swore I heard door slamming and um, I just kind of shrugged it off and and then he woke up again at 3 a.m. because he thought he heard what sounded like marbles being thrown or rolled all over the attic floor above him. And he laid there awake thinking, okay, what, what else could that be? He's trying to think of a logical explanation for why he was being awoken up 3 a.m. to what sounded like marbles being thrown around the floor. And then um, he said what freaked him out the most was when he started hearing what sounded like footsteps downstairs and it sounded like people were walking around there was movement so he kind of got because he thought oh somebody broke into the house and they're pretty much prepared to steal like you know thousands of dollars worth of camera equipment so he grabs his phone he grabs a bat and he goes downstairs he has a um, phone set up on the flashlight setting. So he's going down the stairs and um, he turns up, he turns on all the lights and he's like, hello, is anybody there? No answer. And he checks every single room downstairs, nothing. And um, he could have sworn that he heard people moving downstairs. So he ended up calling the cops because he was convinced there were people inside the house. And um, the cops came, they, you know, walked around the home, they walked outside, there was no sign of um, breaking and entering, nothing. So he just didn't have a good night's rest ever since then. But um, we ended up going up to the attic after hearing his story because we wanted to know what, what was the cause of the marbles being thrown around in the attic so we go up the stairs and there's this random bowl of marbles and there's several marbles on the floor and, and we're wondering okay <laughs> was this left from a movie or or you know what why is there a bowl of marbles in the middle of this attic for one thing and why are there like balls of them you know outside of the bowl what caused it to to, for these marbles to, you know, leap from the bowl onto the floor, you know, especially at 3 a.m. in the morning. So we were just kind of stunned ourselves. 
And the thing that even stunned us the most, especially for the um, the guys that were in the crew, was um, the day before all that, all the stuff happened to our producer, you know, that morning, um, the crew had set up a side, like a sidewall, like a door frame against this wall in the room, in one of the rooms upstairs. And um, the frame had to be like propped against the wall. We didn't want any scratches or any damage to occur on the frame, which is, you know, why the crew had set it along the wall. Well, the crew member, the crew members entered the room and they noticed that the frame, for some reason, was on the ground. And they wanted to know who moved the frame, who put it on the ground. It shouldn't be on the ground. You know, they painted the frame. It could be potential that, you know, scratches had occurred on it. Why is it on the ground? And um, our producer came in and he said, I swear to God, I was the only person in this house last night. I don't know how this thing came, you know, came down onto the ground. I would have heard something. I honestly would have heard a thud if this thing had fallen to the ground. And the crew members swore up and down that they, they propped this thing against this wall, that they had it secured leaning against the wall. It, it, it didn't, it, there's no way or no force for this thing to, you know, be placed on the floor. Fortunately, the frame was fine. There was no scratches or nicks on it. But there is still this, like, question going around. is like, how did the frame end up on the floor? So um, we were set to shoot in this house for two weeks. And in the two weeks, other people were, you know, claiming that they heard something or felt something in the house. And I know that our set dresser uh, was um, at the house late one night with the director and the producer. She was setting up the living room for a big scene for the next day. And it was 1230, they were hungry and the producer and the director, you know, decided we're gonna go pick up a pizza, you know, just stay in the house, finish up what you need to do and we'll bring, you know, late, late, late dinner. So she said, okay, so she goes ahead and she's, you know, painting um, some side panels, setting up some tables and she gets a little tired and she decides, oh, I'm gonna take a little cat nap on the, on the couch. As she's taking a nap, she hears footsteps um, walking up and down the, the stairs. And then the footsteps start occurring back and forth in the second floor, um, second floor hallway. And she screamed out, hey, are you guys back? Where's the pizza? She thought it was the producer and the director. Um, that's weird. They would have, you know, come inside the door, greeted her with the pizza and started eating because they were all hungry. Why would they be upstairs? So she goes upstairs and nobody's upstairs. No one. The door's closed. She's kind of like freaking out. She swore that she, she heard you know, it sounded like people walking up and down the stairs and back and forth on the hallway. So she gets freaked out. She goes downstairs outside, calls the director and the producer. Fortunately, they were five minutes away from the mansion and, um, and they arrived and, um, they were like, what's going on? And she said, Hey, um, I don't know who's in the house. I thought it was you guys, but I heard footsteps and I'm the only one in there. And so the director and the producer, they kind of knew what was up, but, you know, for security purposes, they had to, you know, walk around the house. So they walked all over the house. Nobody else, else was there. Everything was in its place. 
So the producer knew like something was up, something was was going on, and so he decided to bring a friend of his um, to spend the night in the house. And this guy um, is, you know, this Navy SEAL guy, you know, just like this tall, buff guy. Like he, like he's served and he's seen a lot of stuff. <laughs> and he, you know, his, our, our producer brings him along to, um, to kind of, you know, just observe the set and just uh, spend the night with him at the house and kind of get like a second pair of ears to kind of uh, hear what's going on in the house. So the guy and, and the producer spend the night in the house and of course the footsteps and the slamming of the doors occur at 3 a.m. in the morning at the same time. So this guy, he gets up, tells his friend, you stay in here, you know, just kind of walk around here. I'm going to go downstairs and see what's up. And um, so this guy, he grabs his baseball bat, grabs a flashlight, you know, goes downstairs. And he, you know, even clearly stated to the producer, his friend, he was saying, you know, I, I thought somebody was in the house and I was ready to, to beat the crap out of them pretty much. <laughs> like, there is no way that somebody is going to come in here into this house and steal, you know, my friend's camera. And, make- and that's all. Ah. We ran out of time. It was a good one. Yeah, it was very good. I bet that happens more times than not when you're on a set trying to produce something uh, like a real set, you know, a location type shoot, not, uh-huh. not like, you know, you know, in the middle of a studio, um, you know, especially in, in, in scenes like that where you are, you do ultimately have to use, you know, kind of run down places and sh- such and you can get them on the cheap to produce and yeah, you know, all the electrical equipment, you know, energy's running high. Lots of people excited, you know, to be working on the project and this and that. And that's, I think, would be a great recipe for stuff like that to occur. Definitely. Do you remember what, do you have a visual what this house looks like? No. You don't? It's a, it's like she said, it's a big old two-story house. And it kind of looks like it could be haunted anyway. So sure. it just really fits that it is. Here, let me find a picture for you. And it's one of those places where, I mean, obviously it's been used in many different locations and such. So, I mean, just the the energy imprint, if you will, that's on the place, not only from when it was a functional home. Oh, yeah, look at that. That is pretty creepy. It looks yeah. like it could be your classic haunted house. Yeah, you know, to all of the things that have been filmed there, there's just a lot that has gone on within those walls. And there's probably people that are living there, ghost people that are living there that just want their peace. They just want to enjoy their home. (laughs) (laughs) They don't want to be in any more movies. Exactly. They're sick of it. They're done. They've moved on. But uh, thank you for the story and uh, calling in and sharing it with us. We really do appreciate that. Our phone number is 855-853-4802 to call and share your real ghost story with us. If you like the show, please support it. Five bucks a month is all we ask. And for that, we give you even more than just all the free episodes. We give you a brand new extra episode EPP bonus episode every single week and access to all of our past EPP bonus episodes, 24 of them now, that you get instant access to when you decide to become an EPP and help keep our show on the air. You can sign up to be an EPP on our website at realghoststoriesonline.com. Please and thank you uh, for uh, keeping the uh, the show going. We love doing this for you. So check that out. Until next time, for Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Bruski. Thanks for listening to another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online.